0: Hey everybody, my name is Alec, you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition, now recorded on Saturday. So, thanks everybody who listened to me, Slate, and Zane rant about lots of stuff, but mostly Doro Thank you, Zane, for keeping us on track. But, I also want to apologize for the audio quality right now, because my microphone literally just kicked the fucking bucket... I'm going to see if I can't get it working again, but I'm using the built-in mic on my headphones currently, so that's a fun time. That said, I wanted to talk about something, I, I want to talk about, once again, another more industry-focused thing about anime. And that is the, some of the product, some of the unique production techniques in recent years. That have been used to make anime so for this i'm going to include links to all the shows that i talk about in this as i usually do so you can go see those shows if you haven't seen them the, m- most of them are widely available on the usual streaming partners in crime situation but i'm not entirely sure so i will as usual include links to my anime listings but the first show I want to talk about is a show from a couple seasons ago. I think I want to say it's three seasons ago called Megalobox. And Megalobox is, was set up to be a successful show from its very first trailers. And The reason why it was set up to be a successful show from its very first trailers is... It was an anniversary project. It was an anniversary project for the late 70s boxing manga and later anime called Ashida no Joe or Tomorrow's Joe and the thing about anniversary projects and if you've ever seen an anniversary project from say Gundam you already know this is that they get an enormous budget they get a lot of attention and it, because of both of those things you can attach people to them that really know what they're doing so whereas something like G Gundam has certain constraints to it um so apparently not a lot (laughs) something like Gundam Unicorn it the way they set Gundam Unicorn up with these 45 minute OVAs and there's six of them is so they can have the most time to just Run with some crazy Gundam shit. The same thing with the Gundam movies, like, um, the one that me and Alan talked about on the podcast. Gundam Narrative. There it is. And I'm sorry if this is going to be a little bit unedited because, or a lot unedited, let's just face it, unedited. It took me however many episodes doing this to just stop editing because... There's been a lot of stuff happening this week, mm. but Gundam Narrative and, Gun- and things like Gundam Narrative and Gundam Unicorn get a lot of budget because they have the years built up and they are standing for the entire franchise, but that also happens with pivotal, with pivotal shows and series and properties as well. And in Megalobox's case, that was one of those things. But instead of just making a really good version of the show, they went the gotcha man route. And that is, they wanted to make something that was super relevant, super stylish, and but also paid homage to the original... So if you've never seen Gotcha Man Crowd, A, you should go watch Gotcha Crowd. The first the first series is about social how social media is warping your brain. The second season of that show is about freaking politics and it's amazing. But Megalobox was produced in the in a way that would allow it to visually pay homage to the ta- to a different time period so what they did with megalobox is really interesting is they made the anime they made the full resolution awesome thing that exists somewhere but you probably will never see it because what they did was they down it to like a i think 720p from the traditional 1080p that anime is now produced at so it has this retro feel for the people who are watching it so if you look at Megalobox the graininess the resolution of the thing feels like you're in the 90s you're in the early 2000s and you're like watching it on a legal stream because it is that resolution it is early anime streaming resolution. And that gives the whole show this, like, muddy, we're doing the best we can with the technology exists feeling that pays homage to the anime of the early 70s and the anime of the mid-90s and everything that came before it. it. That is the way you're supposed to use production tools to achieve a look and a feel. The way you're not supposed to do it is the way Polygon Pictures does it a lot of times and I I've talked and mentioned numerous times on the Sunday edition of the show and the normal Thursday episodes which come out every week on Thursdays usually by Fridays especially if I'm recording with someone else that I'm a trained animator and I know what it takes to do hand animation. Hand animation is incredibly work intensive, it is incredibly expensive, and the other than selling the cells after the fact, traditional hand animation is, it's hard to translate those that raw material directly into a product other than a DVD. So, what ends up being great about something like 3d animation from a marketing and sales perspective is those models now exist and you can 3d print them all day long and sell figures of them they exist as a asset that can that has more flexibility than just the paper cell and yes you can take the character designs and you can translate those into a 3D form and turn those into a model. You can then sell my otaku weeb ass to sit on my shelf and I can stare at them with all of my other models. But that takes a lot more steps than just, oh, people really like Knights of Sidonia. We have that model. Let's just pose her up and put her out there and that's not the reason they do it that's not the reason that those shows are produced in that way but i can't imagine it doesn't factor into the thinking the other problem with the production aspect of 3d is the way polygon pictures at least of it is they are trying to mimic animation. But they are losing the value of computer animation in the process. By cutting the frame rate, they what, so what they do basically is is oftentimes a polygon picture show, they cut the frame rate in half in order to achieve something that they hope feels more like hand animation but the thing about hand animation is it is so rigorously about timing especially especially american animation japanese animation they do a lot with the audio after the after the fact but traditionally animation is so rigorously about timing that everything syncs up and everything feels fluid and it's important that all of that stuff happens or else it takes you out of the experience of the show. So when you have a 3D CG anime, which is cutting the frame rate to feet, not in service of timing, but in service of feeling like something people already know, it, it creates this stiltedness to the show And it creates these moments in the show where it doesn't, nothing feels right because nothing is right. And oftentimes one of the things that a 3D CG anime can do to help itself is to just be what it is. Don't try and cut the frame rate. Don't try and be something else. Just embrace the fact that this was made entirely with computers, not, and it was made by someone who built this beautiful model and that model should be able to move how it wants. And the other thing about production techniques when it comes to 3D CG anime is, computers have always allowed for an amazing amount of things to be done, I know this more than most because I am a trained graphic designer and animator. So I, I know all of the Adobe Creative Suite on some le- on some deep level. But the thing about making art is that it's. It's not always about what you put in it's also about what you put out this is the con- this is the concept that lots of artists know is white space when you leave white space when you leave space for something to breathe you give it greater importance you draw the eye to that thing it it's a compositional awareness and this is why I want to talk about a show called Gangkutso or it's an adaptation of The Count of Monte Cristo that came out in, like, 2002, I think. I'll obviously put a link to all these shows in the description. But Gankusul was a partnership between, I believe, Gantz, which, um, Gonzo, which already just all the flags go up about that, and the fashion designer Anna Sweet. Another thing you can do in Photoshop that was big for a while, where well, you can take a static pattern and you can mask it in to the, um, to, to, to like a space. So you can make somebody's jacket really look like herringbone pattern. But the thing about that is Whenever those people move, that pattern won't move. So, what happens is it looks like it's almost a cutout, and you're moving and you're moving across space, and like some that cutout is moving across space, and you're seeing what's behind it. This is, uh, I mean, you can actually see this technique in something like Paradise Kiss, even although it's used fairly sparingly, so it doesn't. Like, your eye isn't so drawn to it. Where cartoons that don't use a technique like that are cartoons actually like very, very early, like first episodes of One Piece. If you look at all the characters in One Piece, all of their clothes, all the clothing patterns are drawn by hand. So if somebody has a striped shirt on, those stripes are not layered in with a computer in a way that is, it's a still, it's a still image and the, but the person is moving. They are drawn on those characters, on that clothing. In Gankuso, because you were working with the, the collaboration with with Anasui, a fashion designer. So it's a, it was very clear that she cared about the integrity of the patterns, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it makes the show look super dated and kind of a mess, because there are shots in that show where there are so many patterns, like not moving, but the characters are, and it just it, it's, it's a little nausea-inducing for me to watch. And if you've seen the show and you like it, I'm not saying there's anything negative about that style. It's just, for me, it doesn't feel right, if that makes any sense. And now we get to a 3D CG show that is all about what you shouldn't do. It's all about they thought they were too busy figuring out if they could that they never stopped to think if they should and that's a show called handshakers and this show actually um i want to say two seasons ago had or two actually once again um maybe two seasons ago um two years ago in seasons not two seasons like fall winter like two full rotations of seasons ago had a, um, what's it called? Had a stealth sequel called Ys, I think, or Ws. Like W, apostrophe Z, however you pronounce that. And this show, this show, I am sure, I am fucking absolutely positive that on some level, Handshakers is a technical fucking achievement. But Handshakers is also everything you imagine will make you car sick while standing still. I, you know, I, they use still textures, they have like, the, the, the female character's boobs move independently of them. It's like they were all on different axes and it's like, oh, hey, the character's moving over here. I'm just gonna jiggle to the left for the entire time they walk. No reason, no fucking reason. Also, this entire scene is in fisheye lens. Would you like to be sick right now? Because if so, hello. And the premise of the show Actually, doesn't have that. It feels like maybe a. It's a buddy battle anime with some fucked up overtones, but it also it all of that gets lost to the sheer like. The best way I could put it is that it is like 1990s inspired fucking vaporwave with like, had sex with that show Overload from the early 2000s. And no one was ever like, yeah, sure, let's put some bad CGI chains in this, let's Let's also put some bad CGI fire in this because you know what? CGI does great. see through organic texture. Let's do it. And it just... It's you can go look this show up on Crunchyroll right now. You can go attempt to watch it. There's a visual style of which... One of the best examples, I'd think, is uh, Kyosu Giga, which is an old, odd show you can find on the service Retro Crush now. And it is this, like, bonanza of visual information. You have to be very careful with that style or else you will overload your viewers you will just visually overload them and they won't be able to follow it. And even a show like Kyosugiga, Giga, if you're too tired, do not attempt to watch that show because you will just lose the thread immediately. Something like, let's say Megalobox, uses that kind of visual overload of information as a backing for their story. They. They put a lot in the background of something like Megalobox. And that contributes to the feel and like cyberpunk, future dystopian punk feeling of that show. Another good example of this actually is um, Carol and Tuesday. Carol and Tuesday has a lot going on in the background of that show. But the way they frame it and the way they frame the characters in it feels quieter it doesn't feel like the volume is turned all the way up in handshakers the characters and the story are drowning in the technology used to make the show and it doesn't but that doesn't serve any purpose it doesn't feel like the show is intentionally trying to overload you it feels like the show doesn't have control over its own style it feels like the show is like it feels like the show is getting away from itself constantly it feels like the creators have overdone and they don't know how to but they've like don't know how to undo what they just did so it has to go out the door. And that's, that is the danger with something like CGI, with 3D CG processes, is that you can get to a point where you can't, you can't pull back. and you you've built this style that is unmanageable and is incomprehensible and just doesn't, it just doesn't achieve, it's not that it's excessive in this name of being excessive. One of the big differences I would say between something like kutso and something like Handshaker is Gankuso's style is coming at it from a perspective of a fashion designer doing all the costumes it being an inherently french story with a french italian style and flair to it it something like handshaker is excess and is It, it, it is decadence for decadence sake and it is being crushed under its own weight of its visual style in a way that will that will never make the viewer feel good about watching it. And I, th- I think that's the important thing about what you choose to do with the production abilities that are at your fingertips. You can... You can either go make something like um w- with the abilities that are available to create to creators now. You can either go make something like handshakers that is decadence being crushed under its own weight or you can go make something like the monogatari series which is like style ground down to its absolute essence and is all about the characters and as as far as the backgrounds exist they exist only in service of the characters who are on screen at the time and both let me be perfectly clear both the like decadence of handshakers and both and the simplicity and streamlinedness of the monogatari theory are specific fetishy things but the thing about the monogatari theory is that the way it is produced and the visual language it is playing with is much more aware of how of its own control than something like handshakers. If you want another great example, you can look at kind of anything Misaki Yuasa has done and you can see how he's aware of he and Taizo his studio are aware of what they're doing and the techniques they're using. If you went to see his last movie um, the one about the girl... I did a podcast on it, actually, but the one about the girl whose boyfriend dies surfing. They start that movie in a way that I i don't know that I've ever seen. They start it with a bike ride in first person as the main character of the film, and it's, it's wild. It is absolute, like... Look what we can do, look what we have budget to do, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. It doesn't feel crushing in the way that watching something like Handshaker does. And if you're going to attempt to watch Handshaker, I would take it fucking slow. I would just start that show and if like you are gripping the sides of your fucking chair, just cannot comprehend it I would be like maybe not today because that show is just a lot and the reason why I wanted to talk about this production style thing is because I started watching A, capture Sakura but I also started watching One Piece from the beginning because I hate myself <laughs> um but it's amazing how unanime like the beginning of One Piece is, and how unanime like the look of One Piece at the beginning is. You look at One Piece, especially after the time skip, or now even, everything has this modern anime aesthetic, but if you look at the very beginning of One Piece, it, it looks very much like a western cartoon i'm not saying that four kids was right in doing the pirate rap but i can understand why they would pick that show and try and divorce it entirely from a and i talked about this in my in my last sunday edition about anime edit they took that show and they tried to completely divorce it from the concept of, Jap- of it being Japanese at all. And the reason why I would think an executive would see that. Is because if you look at Nami in that show. Nami is a pink panther character. In the beginning of One Piece. You know. Uh, it is very different looking at that point. Than it is even by the time you get to the, to the Ace Rescue arc. And just, that's an incredible production decision, and it's an incredible character design and world design decision by Ichiro Odo to just make this thing that is very clearly paying homage to American cartoons, French cartoons, you know, European styles. It it feels a lot like um, the way, I think his name is um, Isaraki. No, the creative JoJo's is super obsessed with um, Italian statues and it, like the Italian sense of beauty. And so, and this kind of culminates in my brain with Golden Wind. Like these characters have this, this like Italian statuesque thing to them that makes it feel way less anime-like than something like Naruto or Bleach which are all glossy all they certainly take styles from stylistic cues from stuff but they are much more glossy. And traditionally anime looking than something like JoJo or something like One Piece and I think I just think that's interesting and I've I'm an art guy shoot me <laughs> but if you've liked this rambling mess of a podcast then you can subscribe on whatever you're using to listen to me right now the Sunday episodes go up every Sunday. I try to get them up at 10 o'clock in the morning. I definitely try to schedule them. Sometimes I fuck up and find out halfway through the day and fix it. But the Saturday episodes, the um, thir- Thursday episodes go up very late in the day on third day. Usually it's like anywhere from nine to like 11 o'clock at night. So they're definitely available by Friday. But that's usually a more traditional review of a movie or show. And this Sunday edition thing that I've been doing for a while is my chance to explore stuff like production styles, editing and anime, all that stuff. So if you like either of those things, you'll get both of them in one package in the same feed every week. But until next time, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Sunday Lunchbox Sunday edition. And I will talk at you next Thursday.